morning, everyone. Almost felt a bit teacher-like then. <laughs> Thanks, Leanne, for that good morning, Sharona. That's what made me think, oh, it sounds a bit like I'm in a classroom. <laughs> I love God's house. I love being here with all of you. If, if you don't know me, my name's Sharona. I became a Christian here when I was 15, and I haven't turned back. I love it. I love God's house. So we're doing a new series today, and I'm first cab off the ranks. So, foundations of faith. As I was seeking God as to what to bring to you today, I was reading the book of Genesis, and this really stood out to me. So I wanted to share it with you today because I knew that God had pressed it on my heart for us. So if we can turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Anyone new? That's right at the beginning. So Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. Okay. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay, so today we're going to explore a little bit about what it means to be made in the image of God. Like, what does that actually mean? So the first point that I have today about what it means to be made in the image of God is that our lives should reflect who our Father is. You know, if many of you would know all of my children, but my oldest son in particular, Elijah, looks a lot like me. <laughs> and um, like people at work will see the photo of Elijah and go, Gosh, he looks like his mum. He takes after you. And I'm like, in looks, he definitely does. In personality, he's 100% his dad. But <laughs> the looks has definitely come from me there. And you can see it. It's reflected on him. And it was quite amusing. I um, visited a friend who I hadn't seen for many years. She met Elijah when he was a baby. And then he was about six when we caught up with them. And she's like, oh, gosh, he takes after you, doesn't he? And he goes, yeah, because I don't have the grey. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice burn. <laughs> so how do we know if we are reflecting who our father is? So we're going to look at a couple more scriptures. I've got lots for you today, so be prepared. Have your Bibles ready and um, we're going to turn to John. So John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. So we're going to look at how we know we are reflecting our Father. A new commandment I give to you, that you love 
one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So Jesus is telling us here that people will know that we belong to him through our love for one another. God is love. Forget that silly phrase, love is love, that's of the devil. The truth is, God is love. And we are created in the image of God, so we should show that by having love for one another. So as I was pondering this, I was actually thinking, you know, that's it's not actually that hard. I, I love all you guys. I love this church. And even though we have our issues here and there because we're all human, we, we love each other, don't we, church? Yeah. So I'm like, I think we got this. And then uh, God kind of points out that he's talking about his whole church body, not, not just Freedom Church Salisbury. I'm like, Oh, yeah, we're not really in unity with uh, all the churches. Not, not saying us in particular, but I'm saying all the church, different churches, there's a lot of conflict. We believe this, we believe that. And I remember I, um, I went to my cousin's baby's baptism and there was heaps of division just in that church alone over the fact that it was a baptism and not a dedication. So... Because my cousin wanted it to be a baptism, she had to bring in her own pastor from another church because their pastor wouldn't do a baptism. And half of the church boycotted the service. I'm like, wow. I mean, I I kind of agree on the dedication side, but I'm still going to go and see my cousin's baby get baptised and support them. and, And that, it's all good. And... I, one of my relatives who had been to a service here, and I grew up in a very traditional church where we would sing hymns to the organ, you know, that was how we did things. And um, I'm very glad we don't have an organ in this church. <laughs> and, uh, and my auntie said to me, she's like, why do you sing the same thing over and over? She's like, I counted there was the same part was sung 14 times. And, um, and I said, well, I don't know if I actually said this. I think I was a bit more gracious. But in my mind, I was like, well, maybe if you were worshipping instead of counting, you might get it. <laughs> you know, perhaps then the word would get down into your soul. So God wants us to have unity within his body. It's okay if we disagree with things. It's okay if we think maybe it should be a dedication and not a baptism and they think it should be a b- baptism. You know, it's, it's okay to not do everything the same. It's okay if we sing the same chorus ten times and they do it once. It's okay. We're allowed to be different, but we are still on the same team. We may not do everything the same or agree with everything, but we're on the same team and we should be lifting each other up. And that's how the world will know that we are the disciples of Jesus Christ by our love for one another. Like Pastor Ian was saying before, yes, we'll give this other church. I mean, I'm sure we don't do everything the same as this other church that we've given the chairs to, but we want to bless them. We want them to be effective We want them to have what they need to preach the gospel.
So we need to lift each other up and not talk badly of one another in this church and in other churches as well because what must it look like as an outsider in the world to see even the churches are at war with each other? That doesn't help anyone. So as a church, we need to work together and love each other and by doing this, we will be reflecting who our Father is. I've got another scripture about reflecting who God is. So if we can turn to Galatians chapter 5, please. So Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 25. And the first half of this scripture explains what it looks like if we're not reflecting the Father. So I thought sometimes it's good to know what the opposite of something is to understand the point that we're actually trying to learn. So, this is more if we're reflecting the opposite of God. So, we're going to start at verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, Selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, it continues, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, that's a pretty big list. You know, it's a little bit sobering, really. This is... This is the sort of thing we'll be doing if we are reflecting the opposite of God. This is the stuff of our self. It says the works of the flesh. So do you notice all of these things are about me, what I want, what will gratify me, or someone's angered me, or it's all about me and my flesh. And it is all of Satan who only comes to kill, steal, and destroy And, you know, you look at this list and you think, well, you know, I'm, I'm hoping pretty much all of us can tick off most of them pretty, pretty easily. Like, hopefully we're not murderers here. Um, but there's some in here that we might go, ooh, uh, jealousies, oh, selfish ambitions. Ooh, that's, uh, that's hard. Or um, there, for each person, there might be something on this list that you struggle with. And for that, we need to repent. And repent means to be sorry and to turn away and go a different path. You know how Jesus would often say, go and sin no more. That's repenting. It's being sorry and sinning no more. None of us are perfect. We will need to repent many times as we go on this journey. And God is faithful to forgive us. So now we're going to go to the part of this scripture that tells us how we do reflect the image of our Father. So from verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Who knows that in the times that we are living in, people will notice something a bit different about us if we are joyful and have peace in our heart. Long-suffering, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So this scripture is telling us that if we belong to Jesus Christ, if we are reflecting the image of our God, then we are putting to death those selfish ambitions, those selfish desires, those hatreds, those jealousies, those envies, those murders, all of those things, we have put them to death. And instead, we are walking in the spirit, which means we are walking in love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, if someone in the world sees someone with all of those fruit of the spirit they're going to know that something is different about you. They are going to know that you belong to God. So we need to challenge ourselves. Are we reflecting the image of God? Is that fruit of the Spirit growing inside of us? Again, none of us are perfect. We are all working on it. But we should be walking in the Spirit and allowing God to challenge us when we aren't walking in the Spirit and getting back on track straight away. Now, I've heard the saying many times, but it still really rings true to me that you might be the only Jesus that someone ever meets. I might be the only Jesus that someone ever meets. How well am I reflecting who he is? And I also like the other saying that we've said in this church before that if you were arrested and put on trial for your faith, would there be enough evidence to convict you? There should be evidence that we belong to God and we are made in his image. All right, so my second point. So the first one is that we should reflect who God is, our Father. A second point today is being made in the image of God, means that we have authority. So we're going to go back to that main scripture in Genesis, starting at 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and, every, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. multiply. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting all images now of flying. But <laughs> fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That word dominion, I, I had to, even though I know what it means, I'm like, I'm going to look this up and see what it says that word means. So God has given us dominion over the earth. And dominion means power, authority, jurisdiction, control, command, sway, and the right to rule or govern. So God has the ultimate power, authority and dominion. 
but he blesses us, his children, and we are made in his image, so he has given us authority, power and dominion. He has given us the right to rule or govern. And Satan has been trying to deceive us out of this right. He has tried to take that away from us. That's why we don't see many Christians in politics. There's been this whole deception over the separation of church and state. Like that was put in there so that the government doesn't interfere with churches. It wasn't put there so that we would not take part in the government. And that is a lie of the devil. And so we don't see many churches willing to take a strong stand against the evil that is going on in this world. And I'll just name a few, such as abortion, slavery, the government taking away our rights and freedoms. We don't see the church standing up because the, we have been deceived out of our power, authority and dominion on this earth. Well, it's time to take it back. It's ours. Jesus died for it. We have power, authority and dominion on this earth. We just need to stand in it. We need to know it. The church had been silent for so many years and that is why we have had such a sharp moral decay in this world. And, you know, people have this idea in their mind. It's almost, it's a bit of a saying, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. That's not the Jesus that I read in the Bible. Like, yes, he has love, kindness and patience and, and that, but he did not stay away from controversy. You know, often as Christians, we don't talk about the controversial issues because we're going to be called a bigot, because we're going to be called names or we're going to, be, we're going to lose friends. Jesus lost a lot of friends and was called a lot of names and was crucified. But he knew it was worth it. And we are in the image of God. We are called to be people who stand strong, who speak truth. Even if it costs us, we must speak truth. I'd like you to turn with me to Luke chapter 10, please. You know, Jesus even went in the temple and threw the tables over. <laughs> like, he wasn't just this meek and mild person that didn't stand up for anything. He's amazing. And that's just one example, which is in Matthew chapter 12, if you want to read it later. So Luke chapter 10, verse 19. This is Jesus talking. He says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. He says, I'm giving you authority. I'm giving you authority over all the power of the enemy. It's time for us to stand in that authority. <laughs> and he gives it to us because we are made in the image of God. We've been silent for too long. Churches are waking up. We are taking it back. We're taking back what the enemy has stolen from us. So we need to get a revelation of this because it's not too late. So many churches or Christians think, oh, it's too late. We're in the end times. It's, 
you know, they've given up. It is not time to give up. Yes, we are in a war and God is calling us to fight. He's calling us to fight the good fight. And we have God on our side. He is Jehovah Nissi, our victory. Like, we, we can't lose. We have the authority. So the call to arms is now and we need to move. It's not a physical war that we are fighting with physical weapons. It is a spiritual war. And we need to be using the full armour of God. So if we can turn to Ephesians 6, verse 10, please, because I want to talk a little bit more about this full armour of God because it's so important that if we're going to be doing spiritual warfare, if we're going to be standing and taking this authority as we should, as we need to, then we need to make sure we are protected and we have our armour on. So Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 17. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So it's in God's might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not about the governments and the people in control. It's not the flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God. So we are fighting against wicked spiritual beings. So we need our spiritual armour. That you may be... Sorry that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having girded your waist with truth, so we need to know the truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, we need to make sure our lives are right before God. Having had shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of of peace, Oh, I'm tripping over my words today. Above all, so above all means this is really important, taking the shield of faith. We need our shield because the devil is going to come to us and say, that's not true. God's not going to come through for you. What are you standing up for? This is hopeless. You can't win. So you need your faith to be strong because you can say, shut up, devil. My God will win. He is victorious and you are defeated in the name of Jesus. So taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So notice that it says we need the whole armour of God. And this means we need every piece in order to be effective against the devil. I feel like some Christians, they, uh, they get their helmet of salvation and they're like, yep, I'm good to go. You know, no, we need everything. We need every piece. Salvation is awesome, but you're in a battle now and you've left yourself open. We need every piece. Do you notice that 
all but one of the pieces of armour are actually for our protection. They're all for defence. There is one weapon in our arsenal, only one, and that's our sword, which is the word of God. So every other piece protects us from what the enemy is throwing at us. The word of God is what destroys the enemy. So this leads us into our final point of being made in the image of God. So first we've got that we should be reflecting who our Father is. Our second point is that he has given us authority because we are made in his image. And my third point today is being made in the image of God means that we speak the words of God. It is so important that we are reading God's word every day and getting it on the inside of us. We need to know the word so that we can use the word. It is our weapon. You know, I don't know the statistics for Australia because I don't think there's been any um, research done, but recently in America they did some research and only 10% of Christians read their Bibles daily. How are you going to quench those fiery darts of the devil? How are you going to attack and make progress if you are not reading your word? We need to know the word so that when the enemy comes at us, we are ready. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, please. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. I would think so. (laughs) Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you're really, I mean, I might be putting my own emphasis there, but this says, if you are the son of God, command these stones that they become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, this happens another two times, and each time, Jesus says, it is written. Now, how can you say it is written if you don't know what is written? You need to read it and know it and get it down on the inside of you so that when the time comes and you are tempted, you have your weapon ready. Part of the reason the world is in a mess right now is that we have not stood on the word of God. We have not treated it as truth. I'm not saying us in particular. I'm saying as a whole body of Christ, we have twisted the word of God. We've allowed the enemy to come and deceive us out of the truth of the word and to twist it. And we have twisted it ourselves for our own selfish desires or for what we think should be right. This is what's right. Not what we think not what the world thinks, God, what God thinks, what God knows. 
He is all-knowing, all-powerful. He is truth. We should stop fighting against truth. It is the truth that sets us free. Yet it seems so many people are at war with the truth. So God is calling us right now to get into his word. I don't know what's around the corner. There's lots of people saying different things. I don't know, but I'm going to be ready because I'm going to get into my word and I'm going to seek God. But God is calling us to not just read the word. He's calling us to speak it. That is what Jesus did. He spoke the word of God. We need to speak. Actually use our voices. I mean, if you look at it, we're created in the image of God. And God's words are powerful. How did God create the world? He, it says in Genesis, as you read through the first chapter, it's, and God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be. And God said, let there be. And God said, let us make man in our image. It was through his voice and his words that God created the entire world. And he wants us to speak his words because they have power. They have authority. That's where our power and authority comes. It's not from us. It's from God. It's from his words. And that is what has impact on the enemy. Too many of us are leaving our swords at our sides in their sheaths. It's time to take them out, church. It's time to take our swords, the word of God, out and to use it. I want to encourage you today, if you're not doing this already, to start praying to God out loud. You need to find your own place. For me, it's the car because I'm by myself and I'm often driving to the city, so I've got a nice bit of time there that I can really spend. And I have learnt the power of praying out loud. I used to be, um, I, f- I used to find it hard. I used to find it awkward. I didn't really know what to say. I, I would pray silently a lot. But there is power when you speak. Now, God still hears our silent prayers. Don't get me wrong. They are of value. But I want to encourage you today to start praying out loud to your God and speaking those words. And let your prayers include the word of God in them. So I'll give you a couple of examples of things that I pray. So previously, I might have prayed along the lines of for protection for my family, just silently by myself, God, I pray that you protect my family. And whereas now I will pray, I declare in the name of Jesus that I and my family are protected from anything the devil might try to use against us because your word says no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Do you notice the difference? That's where my sword is out and it is killing some giants. Okay? Before it was like, oh God, please protect my family. You know? Whereas now it's God. It's almost like a, um, I'm getting pictures of Lord of the Rings and Gandalf. <laughs> You shall not pass. (laughs) Also, I know a lot of you know that I've been praying for the healing for my son Jacob and God has spoken to me about that and has told me that, yes, he's healing him. So my prayer, and I pray this often, 
I'm like, I thank you, God, that you have healed Jacob because your word says by his stripes we are healed. And you have said that you are healing him and your word shall not return void, but it will accomplish what you have sent it out for. You know, so I am declaring the word of God. I'm not just saying, oh, please, God, heal my son. I'm saying, no, you've said you're going to heal him. Your word can't return to you void. So I'm declaring he's healed in the name of Jesus. That is a prayer of faith. And that is something that I've had to grow in. That it's, and these last few years have taken me dramatically in those prayers where I have just become far more bold because I've understood that we have been given power, authority and dominion. So I'm like, I've got the power and authority to say these things. I'm not going to shy from it. I'm going to speak boldly. And that is what God is calling us to do. And that's what he has really put on my heart for today. So, as we bring this to a close, God has made us in his image. And this means the way that we act should reflect who God is. It means that we have power, authority and dominion. And it means that we should speak using that power and authority and dominion. We should be speaking the words of our God. So I'd like to finish with one last scripture if you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So we're reflecting the glory of the Lord. Are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We all reflect the glory of our God because we are made in His image and we are being transformed to become closer and closer to the image of God. From glory to glory, so closer and closer, reflecting more and more of God's glory. And this is what we're called to be as Christians to become more and more like Jesus Christ, our Saviour. So before we finish today, I just want to ask if we can all just close our eyes and bow our heads for a moment. I want to speak to anyone here who perhaps doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, has never made that decision to follow God. If you would like to make that decision today, it would be my absolute privilege to introduce you to Jesus. If you want to say, yes, I'm ready to follow God, then just raise your hand right now because I want to pray with you. Who wants to say yes to God now? Just raise your hand. I'd love to pray with you today. Okay. I also want to talk to us all as Christians. Let's just reflect for a moment and think about where we are in our walk with Christ and where we want to be. And I know I want to go to another level in God. I know I want to become closer and closer to the image of Christ. If this message has touched you in any particular way and you want prayer, 
I'll invite you soon to come out the front and I'd love to pray with you. But first, let's just pray as a church right now. Mighty God, maker of heaven and earth, our creator, thank you that you came and made a way for us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that we are made in the image of God and you have called us all to step up and fight in this spiritual battle. And God, I pray that as we step forward in faith, that you will be there with us. You will help us to know the words to say, the right thing at the right time. God, place us as your army where you need us to be. And Lord, we declare that we will follow you and we will fight as you need us to. We will speak as you have called us to. Thank you, Lord, that you are here and you know the hearts of your people. So we give you all the glory, God. We give you all the praise and we thank you that we don't need to live in fear, that you have given us power, authority and dominion and you are blessing us, your children. Thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen.